on uh, two aspects of prayer. The Lord has really been emphasizing prayer in the church, and as we've traveled in various areas, we're finding the same thing. And uh, I did a message years ago on prayer precipitates revival, and I believe really that is the Lord's uh, plan in this, is to move us forward into what he has for us next, and that comes through prayer. I'd like to share with you two aspects of prayer for me personally that have revolutionized my spiritual life. And the first one, which is the key one, is praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Uh, we used to joke about this verse. You know, people say, oh, I want to know the will of God. What's the will of God? I said, well, it's right there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Kind of a nutshell thing. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Ephesians 6, 12. And uh, this has uh, been called the spiritual warfare chapter. And it starts out in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. And then it says, take up the whole armor of God. And then there's a whole area where it talks about the armor. Uh, there are six pieces of the armor. Uh, number one, and it seems like uh, each one of them relates to a different part of our being. Number one, guide Gird your waist with truth. Number two, breastplate of righteousness. Number three, shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Number four, the shield of faith. Number five, helmet of salvation. Uh, number six, the sword of the spirit. And then in verse 18, it gives the seventh element of empowerment for these pieces of armor. And it says this, praying always praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, praying always and being watchful with perseverance and supplication for all the saints, to watch and pray as we walk through the day to continue in prayer, watching. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6 through 7, and this is a verse we know very well and probably you've relied on numerous times. But it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When I teach this in, in Russia, I talk about absolute words. And what I usually ask them is, I said, How much is nothing? Nothing. You know, think about that. How much is nothing? I said, it's an absolute word. It, it, it's inclusive. And then it says, but in everything. How, how much is everything? You know? And I think it's good to be very simple and think about that, to get the impact of what this is saying. Okay? Nothing and everything are absolute words. Enveloping everything, nothing left out. Be anxious for nothing and pray about everything, whether it's small or large. We pray about it. We do this so that our hearts and minds might be guarded by God's peace, that we might have peace. And I have found that uh, 
praying without ceasing, that peace is one of the main things that you receive. I think peace, and then another thing we're going to talk about is guidance and God's presence being with you. Charles Spurgeon, uh, the British preacher and revivalist, said this, Prayer must not be our chance work, but our daily business. Our habit and vocation, we addict ourselves to prayer. I like that. Can't do without it. We must be immersed in prayer as in our element and to pray without ceasing. Uh, George Mueller, the Austrian Christian missionary to England uh, with orphanages and had a real prayer ministry of faith, said this, I live in the spirit of pray. prayer. I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk, when I lie down, and when I rise, and the answers are always coming. In Romans 8, 26 through 27, it talks about praying in the Spirit. And it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, as the Lord gives us this gift of praying in the Spirit. Then it goes on to say, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That when we pray in the Spirit, God, by the Spirit, searches the heart of God and prays through us according to the will of God. In 1 Corinthians 14.15, Paul says this, I will pray with the Spirit, I will also pray with the understanding. In Jude 1, verse 20, I love this area, verse 1 uh, verse 20 through 21. It says, You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So as we're consistently praying in the Spirit, number one, it builds us up spiritually. And number two, the last part, it helps keep us centered in the love of God. And I did, I did a whole teaching actually on this one time, and, and the love of God being the presence of God. It helps us abide and maintain a place in the presence of God, where his peace, his wisdom, those things that we need are. Praying in the Spirit, praying without ceasing, centered in the love of God. If we pray without ceasing, either with understanding or in the Holy Spirit, we receive, one, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds. Number two, we are built up in the holy faith. And number three, it keeps us centered in the love and in the presence of God. When I got a hold of that, and I was a young Christian, it just revolutionized my life. I mean, it opened so many spiritual doors. Uh, in relationship to the gifts, I found that it, it really uh, put me in tune with God where I could receive all that he had for me. Uh, he could guide me. Uh, I'm not saying this in a, in a boastful way. I think probably it was basically because I really had to do it spiritually. But after church, when I was single, after church, I'd go back to the Jesus Inn. I had an apartment above the office. And I would get down on my face and I would pray in the Spirit for like four hours. And the communion with God was incredible. You know, I kind of 
get convicted and miss that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't really do it to that extreme, you know. But through that, God showed me so much and really equipped me for ministry through that uh, time of prayer. I mean, the Lord was even showing me where it may well be that when I was doing that, I was just praying into the ministry. You know, the Word of God says that we are His workmanship created for good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think a lot of times He does that through us praying into those things. And He goes forth and He prepares and then we walk in it. And I believe a lot of that has to do with this issue of praying without ceasing. Just want to kind of impress the importance of that. Number two, perseverant prayer. That's the second thing that really has been pressed on me uh, very strongly. Uh, I've shared a bit on that uh, before in various teachings, but we'll look at Luke 18, verse 1 through 8, and we'll just look over this quickly. You know this area of Scripture. It's about the widow uh, with the unrighteous judge. In Luke 18, verse 1, it starts by saying, Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So at the very beginning of this parable, he said, I'm going to share with you a story, but I want you to know in advance, this has to do with prayer. It's to be applied to the issue of prayer. Another thing is, it says that men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. So, you know, people get really hung up about, what about women? You know, what, what about women? You know, but I think we need to realize and, and look at the context of these areas of Scripture. There are specific times when God speaks to women and men. But when God says something like this, he's talking about men, mankind. He's talking about mankind. I love that verse where it says, And God made men, male and female he made. You know, So I really believe this is more men always ought to, we should pray, mankind. We should pray, not lose heart. And there's a judge. He did not fear God. He did not regard man. There was a widow who said, get justice for me, for my adversary. He said, though I fear not God, but this widow troubles me. I fear neither man nor God, but this widow troubles me. I will give her what she wants, lest she weary, weary me out. And then he says, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. And then it says this at the end, and this is very interesting because I think these two statements bracket this parable. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So he brackets it. He says, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What the Lord is saying here clearly is that true faith is continuing in prayer and not losing faith heart. And then he gives this story. So what I got out of this very clearly is true faith is continuing in prayer, not yet having received. It isn't the only manifestation of faith, but clearly that's what this is saying. And that's what the Lord's trying to get across. Persistent prayer, faithful prayer, always to pray and not lose heart. Luke 11, verse 9 through 11. Luke 11, verse 9 through 11. So I say to you, and we know, we know this verse well, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. 
These verbs in the Greek, ask, seek, and knock, are in the present tense, which denotes ongoing action. Ongoing action. So actually a better translation of this, because it sounds like you're just saying, well, ask and you get it, and seek and you'll find it, and knock and it'll be given to you. It seems very simple. But actually what this is saying is, ask and keep on asking. And don't stop asking and continue to ask, and you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking. And do not stop seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking and it will be open to you. When I teach in the seminary in Ukraine, there's a door behind me, and I always turn around and start banging on the door, and this really gets them going, because they, they do not, you know, American preachers are animated. <laughs> so I'm out there going, and I'm, you know, really getting after it. Now, it's, <laughs> it's interesting that E.M. Uh, e. Bounds, a great man of prayer who wrote a number of books on prayer, and uh, it used to come in a little square box, and there was like seven or eight books, little paperbacks. Now they've got it in a tome. It's about this thick. It's really, if, you, if you're into prayer, get E.M. Bounds, Purpose and Prayer. So the books were Purpose and Prayer, Men of Prayer, etc., etc. In one of his books on Purpose and Prayer, he said this, The strongest, most effective one in Christ's kingdom who is he who is the best knocker. He who is the best knocker. Dick Eastman, uh, he had a ministry called Every Home for Christ. At one time, he had a goal of putting a Bible in every single home in uh, the world. <laughs> every single home in the world. I remember he was sharing with me, he was in Moscow back in the days when, and, and he was working through the postal system, and he was shipping out Bibles to every single home in Moscow. And this was during the day, I think it was like the 80s or something, you know, early 80s. And he said he, said he had so much opposition that uh, one night he was in his hotel room and the windows were open and he felt this dark force actually come into the room and try to intimidate him. I mean, the powers and the, and the, 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 the issue of getting the Bible out. But he, he's a real man of prayer and he wrote a book called No Easy Road. It's a classic and it was out of print, but it's back in print now. And, and interestingly enough, I think I have an old copy. It was $1.89. I think it's 12 bucks now. <laughs> talking about, but it's a little thin book called No Easy Road. It's excellent. And he says this, Satan fears this persevering power in prayer. He hates to see persistent prayers. James 5, 16 through 18, and this is an area that uh, we've heard many times about Elijah, James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it gives Elijah as an example. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I, I, I looked this up. It's very interesting. Uh, but they kind of squeeze effective, fervent together. And in the Greek, they were, use the word energino, which is kind of where we get energy. So we're talking about energetic prayer. Of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The meaning of this word earnestly in the Greek denotes he prayed in prayer 
which means he kept on praying. He kept on praying until it happened. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 45, we have Elijah praying for rain. He says to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there's the sound of rain. And Elijah went to the top of Carmel. He bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go now, look toward the sea. He went and looked and said, there's nothing. He did this seven times. He just kept doing it. And each time the guy would look and there was nothing. Then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go say to Arab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. All he had to do was see that little bit of evidence. But he prayed and he kept on praying. I've shared this story before, but I don't see how you can share on persistent prayer without sharing about George Mueller, great prayer warrior. He said one time when asked about it, he said, the great point is to never give up until the answer comes. You, write, you want to write that down. About three or four things here that would be good to write down. That's one of them. Never, the point is to never give up until the answer comes. I've been praying for 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. He's not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? He is praying. He said, I am praying. Now, what he was saying was, I am praying and I'm not going to stop. The day came when Mueller's friend received Christ. It did not come until Mueller's casket was lowered into the ground. There near the open grave, this man gave his heart to God. Prayers of perseverance had won another battle. George Mueller kept a prayer diary. He wrote in that diary what he prayed, and when he prayed it, he wrote when God answered the prayer and also how God answered that prayer. When he died, there was one prayer request not answered, and it was fulfilled as they lowered the grave. The book was closed. He did not quit. They say that that's what, that summarizes uh, George Mueller's success, those four words, he did not quit. I personally believe in persevering prayer. When I was a drug addict and a practicing occultist, after I got out of the army, uh, many of you have heard my testimony, my mother and my grandmother coveted together to pray for me until I turned to the Lord. My grandmother was the matriarch of our family, spiritually. She was now mom, because grandmother's gone. <laughs> but, and they prayed. They prayed for three years. And God intervened through an angelic visitation in a very dramatic fashion. I was saved in a hotel room in, outside of Kansas City. An angel appeared. There was a confrontation with demonic forces. I was delivered. And I fell on my face, and I cried out to God, and I repented of my sins. I didn't know what repentance was. I don't know if I knew what the word sin meant. I wasn't a religious person. I just was under this horrendous uh, conviction. Poured out my heart. Took hours just praying and weeping. And when I got up, I was cleansed and fully saved. And I wrote my mother. I had a bunch of occultic stuff. I put it in a envelope and sent it to her. She probably destroyed it. 
God answers persevering prayer. Do not underestimate the prayers of a mother and a grandmother. After I became a Christian, one of my greatest burdens was for the salvation of my father. My father was a good man. He went to church uh, regularly. He prided himself in that. If there was anything, if the church doors was open, my dad was there. He was hauling tables. He was doing whatever needed to be done. My dad was there. He was an elder in the church. He didn't know the Lord. I mean, he believed in God, but he didn't know the Lord. I remember when uh, he retired, my mom and dad were thinking about going to Texas to join her sister, uh, who had property, and they had offered them a place to stay, and so it seemed very nice. Susie and I were very disturbed about that. We prayed and prayed, and I felt like I needed to talk to my mom, and I called her, and I told her, I said, Mom, I said, you know the Lord, and I said... You're, you're safe. You know the Lord. I said, but Dad doesn't know the Lord. And if you go down to Texas, I said, you know, my Uncle Dewey was, uh, was, again, a good man. He didn't know the Lord. I said, Dad may die and never come to know the Lord. I said, you need to retire and come to Tulsa. And that was it. And I hung up. Two weeks later, she came house hunting. And they lived in Catoosa. And my dad attended this church. Some of you may remember my dad. He attended this church. So I started to pray for my dad, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I remember for about five years, I'd actually pray and fast. I was out at uh, Shepherd's Fold uh, on a retreat just praying and fasting, and I felt like the Lord confirmed to me that it was done. And so that intensity stopped, but I continued to pray, and it took another nine years And finally, my dad came to me and he said, you know, I feel like I need to be baptized. I said, but dad, you were baptized. Church, it was a Christian church. He was baptized. You know, when you join the church, you get baptized. So he's baptized. He said, no, I feel like I need to get baptized. So I I said, "Uh, I'd like you to talk to Brother Bill. (laughs) I want to make sure. So he went in with Brother Bill and uh, they talked for a good length of time. and, And Bill came out and I said, Bill, what's the deal? He said, your dad's saved. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he just decided that he just needed to give everything up to Jesus and it's up to his Lord. He just, on his own, he just decided that. So on December 17, 1986, I baptized my father. And uh, I am serious. I remember times where I would just have this incredible fear that I'd get to heaven and he wouldn't be there. But I baptized my father, and um, almost one year later to the day, I think it was the 27th or something of, of December, Dad passed away suddenly in his sleep. Um, he used to get up in the middle of the night because he took medicine that would bother him and he wouldn't be able to sleep, and he'd go lay on the couch, and sometimes he'd just read the Word, and other times, you know, just rest, and... Mom came out, and he was laying there with a blanket on. She went in and fixed breakfast, went to wake him up, and he was gone. It's a great way to go. (laughs) Perseverant prayer is effective. Prayer, have hope. Don't quit praying. George Mueller, 63 years. Well, that was when they asked him. I mean, it, it was probably years more after that. God hears and answers perseverant prayer. So what have we learned from this? And these are some of these quotes. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I have these written down. 
When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? The praying and continuing in prayer, not yet having received, is a manifestation of faith. George Mueller, the great point is to never give up until the answer comes. Do not quit. Just settle it. I've I've actually confronted the devil on that one. I've just said, I'm not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. Do not quit. So I give you these two aspects of prayer that really revolutionize my spiritual life. We are to pray without ceasing, and we are to persist in prayer to not quit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Let's stand. And uh, as I'm praying, just transact business with God. Don't make any promises. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Lord, I like that. I promise. But, you know, that you'll attempt and you'll take and embrace this. Lord, we pray for that in the name of Jesus. What if every single person here would grip those two precepts, those two realities of praying without ceasing and continuing in prayer and not giving up? God, what might happen? What might happen? Even, even on a Sunday morning, much less personally in their own lives. So God, we commit this to you. We ask you, Lord, to enact what is spoken in the word about the Holy Spirit, bringing to remembrance those things that you have spoken to us, that which was spoken by your word through this message, that you would bring it to remembrance. I know I need that. During the day, I'm caught up and I'm thinking, and I'm in that vicious circle in my head and then you say, you tap me on the shoulder. You say, remember, pray without ceasing. And I release it, and I start letting it go and praying without it. And it just lifts, and I can sense you moving. I can sense your direction, your presence. What a difference. What a difference that would make in any of our vocations, in any of our relationships. So, God, we, we embrace the word of God. We fall on the sword, and we ask you, Lord, to bring those changes in our lives that we need, that we might fulfill the call of God upon our lives, and that this church would fulfill the call of God you've put upon her. In Jesus' name, amen.